If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jaron Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Good afternoon, everybody. Wow, I turned my headphones way up and it was like... I was hearing every noise possible. <laughs> I felt like Evan Moore, Super Evan, was talking to us again. For sure, for sure. I could hear footsteps Crystal for a queer. moment. I yeah. forgot. Wow. We let, we let you someone record souls. on your mic. I have to fix your, your settings. Is that why everything was off? Yeah, I'll be right there. Yeah. What? what do- what, what's going Stuart, on here? It was Stuart. Are we renting know, this stuff out? It I guess Stuart. so, man. I, I thought we had our own studio. We knew about this one, though. Yeah, it's true. I don't but Mike. I'll take your word for it. What's happening today, everybody? Same old, man. How Same you doing? Same old. Come on. Let's freshen things up a little bit. What do you want to freshen it with? Tave and Brian? Tave and Brian. Uh, are you, are you on that Tave and Brian bandwagon? Well, listen, I've told you, but I've said it quietly and modestly and humbly and not overly dramatic. Shouldn't do that in radio. It, he has looked good. Mm. I told you he looked a little different, mm. right? Mm. I sensed it. You went out there and you saw it. Sure. And then the coaches now all of a sudden losing their minds over it. Yeah. But that's a good thing. Listen, coaches don't usually gush. I told you that. So, like, when coaches say, like, Doug Marone says good stuff about Caleb on Chason. Yeah. And Jason Rebervich, the defensive line coach, says good things about – he's going to protect his guys. He's going to say good things about his guys. But when he goes over the top and says good stuff about Taven Bryan, I like that. Sure. I mean, that's a good sign. Now, it's hard to digest right now. He's hurt. <laughs> yeah. And he's got a bone bruise. I mean, he's there's no concern about him. Uh, long term right now, but it's certainly hard to get too excited when he's not on the football field the last uh, day or so. Uh, but I'm telling you, that's what my eyes saw, that he looked different. And there's a maturity, I think, about Taven Bryan that they were talking about today. You'll hear some of the comments, but it's a great sign, you know. Uh, this guy has been, talk about cancel culture. Taven Bryan was canceled about <laughs> six months into his career, right? Yeah. I mean, so it would be a great story to see a guy develop. And by the way, let's just be honest, they need a guy to develop in that spot. They need a body. They need production. Well, they if, could use a big ear out of Taven Bryan and Dewan Smoot, and both of them are trending in the right direction. But if Taven Bryan doesn't work out, who's taking the spot? Uh, then they don't that's, ask me those questions. Well, that's the point, right? Where, yeah, you have to be all in on Taven Bryan because what's the other option right now? At that, that three technique. Uh, what are you, you going to do? You. Me? Well, I'm, I'm too small to play a three technique. But this is my point. Like, listen. You and me I together. Think, uh, I think that the fact, right, combined, uh, I think Dave and Brian right now, like, yeah, you, you have seen glimpses of camp where it seems like he's made the next step forward. And when I say the next step forward, I mean it's a guy who's getting the mental part down. Physicality, get off. Um, explosiveness were never Taven Bryan's problems. Taven Bryan's problems stem from being able to recognize the play, being able to diagnose what kind of block is coming at him, and things like that. So one would think, after watching some more film, you know, getting acquainted from last year a little bit, and finally paying a position where he belonged to play at that three technique, yeah, maybe the game has slowed down a little bit for Taven Bryan right now. So I agree. I, I think he, he's made some leaps and bounds. Was that going to mean week one against the Colts? I'm not sure. I'm not ready to sell him and say, all right, this guy's a pro bowler. I'm not quite there yet. I'm definitely intrigued. But once again, 
there is really no plan right now behind Taven Bryan. So he has to work out because if he doesn't, you're going to be in some trouble. Yeah, that's true. I mean, listen, the, the Jags are thin on the defensive front. I mean, but the, you could say the same thing about a lot of positions. Any guy that goes down on the offensive line, uh, tight end goes down, obviously quarterback goes down, your main running back goes down. I mean, there's a lot. You know, their middle linebackers go down, you're going to feel a lot different too, even though they have some linebacker depth. Mm. Uh, not middle linebackers, but they're linebackers in general. So uh, there's a lot of that. I mean, if secondary, anybody in the secondary goes down, you're relying on, well, another rookie. <laughs> I mean, no, could, for sure. Be, so that's the way they're built. They're, they're built um, in, 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 for lack of a better way to say it, like on a string. I mean, they, they are not built on on a chain, a metal chain, a steel chain. I mean, this is they're they're on, they're threading here. Well, no, listen. But when I say, well, when I say it comes down to Taven Bryan and he's he's the guy, I mean, listen. In the secondary right now, if someone got hurt, would it be catastrophic? You better believe it. But at least that you know what you're getting with Trey Herndon, right? You know what you're going to get with C.J. Henderson. I mean, it's a first round pick. We'll see there. But obviously, he's starting with Taven Bryan. All we have to go off of is what we've seen the past couple of years. And let's be honest. Has it been a starter's quality? Probably not. So my point is, he has to be the guy this year, as opposed to like a linebacker defensive end. We know what we're getting with them. We're not quite sure what Taven Bryan's bringing the table. Here's my point, though. We often think about these things like, wow, yeah, we'll believe, I'll believe it when we see it. I mean, this is the Taven Bryan. Which, okay, that's the the resume says, uh, which also doesn't say it's as bad as everybody says it has been. If you ask people in there, they thought these last eight games of last year were a pretty good actually and played good football and started to trend on the way up some guys take a little longer and but why can't we think about it and it's okay to think about it with man what if this guy has a breakout season mm-hmm. i mean what if he delivers on something that nobody expected really no everybody like i'm serious the cancel culture says he's done i mean he's he's a bust mm-hmm. and now, all of a sudden, what if you get something out of that spot? I mean, DeWan Smoot proved it last year. DeWan Smoot, everybody wrote that guy off. DeWan who? Like, really? He's still on the team? And he had six sacks? Nice depth play. Again, would you rather have some more depth? Would you maybe even have rather have more proven guys? Well, absolutely. I'm not saying every team would sign up for it. But it's okay sometimes. It's the same thing I talk about with Minshew. There's enough there that you can also make the argument, what if it's good? Hmm. It's a hard thing to think about in Jacksonville. I understand because it's it, there's really hasn't been a trend to that. I, I get it. Uh, and the easy thing is always to think about the other side of it because let's just face it, that's the trend. I mean, more people fail in the NFL than do really well in the NFL, mm-hmm. uh, right? I mean, there's only so many guys that make the Pro Bowl, and uh, even though this is a one percent league, there's a there's a one percent of the one percent mm-hmm. <laughs> that ends up being good and elite every single year. So if you're a betting man, you always bet for the guy to fail uh, because that's the trend. That's the way it's going to happen most of the time. But uh, this would be a pleasant surprise uh, on a day that we we're going to talk a little bit about. Anyway, about maybe a little diamond in the rough that we haven't really heard about amongst that defensive front. And Taven Bryan wasn't going to be allowed to be an answer to that. Sure. It was just interesting to hear those kind of comments about Taven Bryan. And they're consistent. And then you heard the player, DeWan Smoot, mm-hmm. say something similar. So it, it's good. Uh, and now he has to go do it. Uh, no doubt about it. I'm much like we talked about Minshew. There's a lot of people who don't believe in it. There's people like me that can do believe in it. And But he's got to go prove me right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, all people have to go off of right now and is. 
You know, interior defensive linemen kind of get a bad rap because if I go back to last year and we talk about how abysmal the Jaguars defensive line was at stopping the run, well, you can say, well, they had Josh Allen, they had Yannick Ngakwe, they got to the quarterback, they were fine. It was the interior defensive line which was the problem. And I could come here and say, well, you're partially true. But the, the defensive line has to work as a cohesive unit, right? So I think when people see, well, you had back-to-back-to-back 200-yard rushing games that you gave up, that stems with interior defensive line. And some of that can stem with from obviously Tave and Bryant. So I think people have just seen what the defensive line has had to offer so far in terms of stopping the run. They associate that with the interior defensive line and they go, well, Clayus Campbell's gone. Okay. So who do we have left from the, you know, last year that's still on the team? Well, you got Dwayne Smoot. Keep in mind, Dwayne Smoot last year was kind of like that rotational guy and you have day, uh, and then you have Tave and Bryant who obviously people want to call bust and all this stuff. So, I get where people are coming from when they're, you know, they're questioning is Taven Bryan going to be the real deal this year? Um, you know, is he really going to fill in as a starter just because they're going off past experiences? But once again, when with Blaster, you got a little more experience. You got a little more like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do at the three technique. I'm playing in my position now. So I'm optimistic, like I'm saying, but I can see where people are coming from and saying, well, you know what? We don't believe in Taven Bryan right well, listen, now. Listen, the whole defense is a prove it defense. Mm-hmm. They've got to do it. Miles Jack has done some nice things in the NFL, hasn't done enough. He's got to prove it. Uh, C.J. Henderson drafted ninth overall, but prove it. What? Prove you should have been. Uh, there's a lot of guys. I mean, Ronnie Harrison looks like at times I think he's going to be a star, and then at other times he just disappears. So you got to prove it. I mean, that's a that's a outside of D.J. Hayden, outside of Josh Allen, I think everybody's got to prove it. You know, I mean, we haven't seen Joe Schobert enough uh, to figure that out. So, well, I mean, he has to that, prove it, obviously, for new, co- you know, he got a brand new contract and everything. Yeah, so, I mean, it. I can't buy into that without yeah. seeing a little bit more of it. So, uh, that's the nature of their defense. That's why people are down on the Jags, because they've got a lot of guys. It's like, okay, the, the resume doesn't say X or yeah. Y, um, but sometimes that can be good, too. You have to know when to flip. That's the one thing about you have to know when to flip the roster. Uh, we don't know what Calais Campbell's going to do this year in Baltimore. Might be unbelievable again. Mm. Or he might look like he's starting to get a little older. Marcel Darius sounds good, but will that injury really set him back? And, and is he getting older? Was he starting to lose a step? So uh, you have to know when to do that. We'll see if the Jags figure that out or not. Uh, Gardner Minshew, reason to draft him first overall in your fantasy league? <laughs> we got reason to now. You got a reason to, absolutely. Although I don't know if you'll win your fantasy league if you draft him first overall. Listen, I don't think I'm going to draft any kind of quarterback first round. Um, but, yeah, Bud Light putting out a promotion where if you draft Gardner Minshew first round in your fantasy football league, you're eligible to win a, uh, you know, one case of Bud Light or whatever, Budweiser beer. Yeah, and I think if you win your fantasy league, I think the story is, you could win a case for a, a year or something. Is that win what it is? Yeah. Like for yeah. a year? Yeah. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Sounds like a punishment to me, so I won't be doing it. But to each their own. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm I'm from Wisconsin, man. I'm more of a Miller guy. Yeah, we, we've been true. over this, Brent. That's true. Yeah. Remember that on the endorsement schedule, okay? I'll take Bud Light or Miller Light. Oh, trust me. The if Bud Light was paying me thousands of dollars to drink their stuff, and I had to do like you know on the radio. The the abuse and just the put downs I would receive on social media from my friends back home would not be worth. I mean, I would I would cancel it out just because a thousand bucks isn't worth all I, the abuse I would take. I, I, <laughs> I'm just I saying. I don't think I got the memo like as you get older you're supposed to like graduate to like I guess different alcohol like. I was drinking Keystones this past weekend. <laughs> oh, I love Stones, man. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I, <laughs> my I buddies care. were like, dude, you, you're still drinking that? And my my other friend, Chris, is, we're both like, well, I mean, it's refreshing and 
Yeah. I always think it's amazing balance because I'm not, uh, I'll drink just about anything. Sure. I don't like dark, dark beer. Yeah. Like, I mean, like Guinness. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I don't like it. It's not it. bad to sip on, but you're, you're not yeah. pounding 10 of them. No. Yeah. Uh, so, but like, I, I always find it interesting that people have like a one or the other. Yeah. On, yeah. on the Miller Lite or Bud Light. Yep. I mean, I don't. I mean, really, it's Battle like a in front man. of me. But, but it's, 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 it's the old CVS Walgreens, sure. McDonald's, Burger King, all that stuff. Coke, yep. Pepsi. Coke yeah, Pepsi. Coke Pepsi. Now, I do. Samsung now, iPhone. But see, the thing about it is, okay, I'm a, I'm a Coke Pepsi guy, right? I'm a, I'm a, you, you hard line. Wait, what do you, what do you mean? You I'm do a Coke. Coke. Guy. Okay, gotcha. And Diet Coke. Yeah. But, like, in the restaurant, when they say, oh, we have Pepsi, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I roll my eyes. <laughs> it like, the same way. Like, I, I really do. You just kind of let out a side like, oh, Fine. Come on. Yeah, yeah. You know? Okay. But I'm, what I'm saying to you is I don't do that with the beer. Like, okay. it could be a Miller Lite or Bud Light, and I can't with, taste the distinct difference. Really? I can with the, the, the Coke and Pepsi. Okay. And, and by the way, I like the I like Pepsi now more. Like, I've had it enough where it's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I don't like it, but I can I can take it. Taste a distinct difference. Oh, I can yeah, as we, well. So you could tell because like there, we've been to places that don't say anything, and they'll just give Nicole a Pepsi when she asks for a Coke, and she'll know like before she even sips it, she'll be able to smell that it's not like uh, a Coke. Steph's the same way. Steph's a big Diet Coke connoisseur, and she will. She's convinced. She's like, "Is this Pepsi?" Because I feel like I got a headache already. What's like the, first sip. What's the alternative if you want like a Mountain Dew, and it's I don't know if Mountain Dew's Pepsi or Coke, but then what's Mountain the alternative? Pepsi, I think. Okay, so then if they only have Coke products, what do you do for Mountain that Dew? Mellow Yellow. Do they have Mellow Yellow still? Is that uh, still a thing? I don't know. Yeah, I think they do in some spot. I think they okay. do. Uh, but I don't know that answer for sure. Yeah, I'm not a big soda drinker, so I don't know either. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, Twitter, if you did not know, can be a vicious place. That's what I heard. I got another example of it. Can't wait. Uh, and I feel like it's getting me in trouble. Oh. Or, or it'll end up getting me in trouble more than anything. Are you getting blocked here? What's going on? I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Uh, What'd you do? Nothing. <laughs> well, I don't think I did anything. Nothing okay. intentional. But, okay. Uh, speaking of Twitter, we have Kevin Durant. Yep. He has burner accounts. Did you see yeah. that? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I mean, this okay. has been the this, thing for a while This will all now. go together, though. This, okay. this whole conversation will probably go together. Okay, hit me with it. Uh, uh, not right now. Oh. I mean, we got something oh, called the break. All right, so we'll talk about it in two days now. <laughs> you know me well. Yeah, we'll yeah, bring it up next do. week. I don't know. I was on time today, so I you might, were, man. I might <laughs> deliver on a Tuesday. This is a new Brent Martin. <laughs> we got a new tape in Brian, a new Brent Martin. It's a Tuesday, Brent Martin. <laughs> it's a breakout Tuesday for me. Uh, LeBron and the Lakers yeah. are back in yeah. a big way. Mm-hmm. Ooh, talk about an on off switch. They got one. Kobe Bryant's birthday, man. What's up? And by the way, they go uh, bigger than basketball, too, with LeBron and mm-hmm. Anthony Davis and many others. And obviously, another big social story out there, not social media, but social issue uh, comes to light once again. And speaking of, if you did not catch Emmanuel Acho with NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, very interesting. Uh, again, uh, Emmanuel Acho's really doing a great job. He's crushing it. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. it's really good stuff. And it, it's it's great conversation. I mean, that's what he wants it to be. He wants it to be communication and conversation. And I'll tell you what, I want to ask you something, because you, you, you saw this. I did. And if you haven't seen it, I, you should. Uh, but I want to ask you something about Goodell hmm. on it, which is really I found to be in the 20 minutes that I listened. Uh, I found myself asking a question about Goodell. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to that a little bit later on uh, in the show. We'll start off with the Jaguars, though. Uh, defensive line, Taven Bryan. We'll hear from some of the coaches and players. But I want a diamond in the rough, if you will. We don't even know some of these guys in the defensive front. you got to pick one. We're going to take one to the season with us. Okay. All right. On the defensive line? Yep. Okay. 
A little guy's gonna a, a guy not a little guy a guy's gonna surprise. Guess <laughs> the defensive line we're talking yeah. about here. A guy's gonna surprise. Okay. Okay. I got it. All right, because they need some surprises. Yes, we all do right More now. More surprises next on ESPN six ninety. <laughs> Brent Martineau. Uh Daniel uh, says we went from hot Cheetos to shampoo, raising the intellectual portion of the show. Austin Lane. I'm wearing a sleeveless T-shirt. What more do you want from us, man? Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Friday. We never said we're intellectual. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN six ninety. We, we've just been working as much as we can. I mean, um, our philosophy has always been, I'm pretty sure you guys have always heard this, like next man up. And we got some dogs on the D-line, even though we're, we're thin and we're getting new people in every day. People are willing to buy into the system and, you know, we're, we're reloading every day. So I feel like we'll be fine going into the season because we have some hard workers and some young, hungry guys on the D-line as well. Hey, listen, it's crystal clear. The Jaguars like the makeup of their football team. They do. That's okay to say. I don't know if they love all the talent on their football team. I think it's fair to say they wish they had more. But I think they like the makeup of their football team. That's an important part of it, right? I mean, you've been in the underbelly of a state. I mean, you, you got you to gotta buy in. And yep. this is a big year of buying in. You've got to be willing to go to work. A little bit more lunch pail, hard hat kind of team. They've got more of those guys. In fact, I actually wonder... And this is going to sound bad, but I wonder, do the Jags almost have too many of those guys? Like when the Jags built their roster in 13 and 14, mm-hmm. the biggest criticism I can make, and I've said it a million times over the years, and I think they have even now acknowledged it and said it too, is that they went too young. Okay, I get what you're doing. You're trying to get a little younger and faster, and everybody's young in the NFL. Heck, look at the age. The, the, the youngest team to the oldest team is about a year and a half difference. That's mm-hmm. it. We're not talking like some teams are 30 years old and some teams are 24 years old. We're talking about a year and a half, 18 months maybe, between the first and last and on average. It's a young man's game. Sure. And so the Jaguars tried to get young back in 13, 14. But with that, they also made some catastrophic mistakes because they lost any kind of leadership. They didn't have any. They had a first-year head coach in 13 and Gus Bradley, and then they let guys like Daryl Smith go. And, you know, they did have Mercedes Lewis. They had a couple of guys around, but they didn't have enough. It's clear as day they didn't have enough of those kind of guys that they needed. They they would have been better off getting a few of the 30-year-old guys, 31-year-old guys, 28, 29-year-old guys. Well, in that same sense, I'm starting to wonder, did the Jaguars get so sick and tired of the BS, for lack of better phrasing, of the Jalen Ramseys and everything else going on, the drama inside that building that at times, let's be honest, can be tough to coach, you know, when you're losing and especially when you're losing. They got so tired of that. They're like, I don't care if you give me somebody that looks like Brent playing the defensive line, (laughs) but just don't let's just get somebody that's coachable. Smart, wants to play, going to work his butt off, all yeah. that stuff. Now, again, listen, they got talent as well. But my point being, did they emphasize that too, too much? The one commonality in the draft, every guy that that, that joined us on the phone was, it felt like the captain, right? Sure. It felt like that guy. There's a lot to be said for that guy. I mean, that, that guy should be applauded. But also in this crazy, strange game, you need some of those loose cannons sometimes. Of course. You know, so I do wonder uh, if they've gone too far. They've 180 this thing almost too much. Yeah. That being said, 
during this time, COVID-19, and a young football team, the beauty of that is you've got a lot of buy-in, coachability, it looks like. It looks like these guys are ready to go, mm-hmm. hungry. I, I, I sense um, even the guys that aren't supremely talented are overachievers. You'll like some of those guys on your team. So do they like their football team? You know, it's funny because you made a you made a great point here when you say, well, when you had the Jalen Ramseys and things like that, obviously that didn't go the way you wanted. So it could be our human instinct to go, well, that didn't go the way we wanted, so let's co- pull a complete 180 and, like you said, kind of get you know those team captains and those well-behaved individuals. Listen, I don't care if you're bringing in red flags, team captains, great guys, okay guys, eh, little iffy guys. As long as that they love the game of football and can help you win, like this, this is what makes the NFL such a great place where all personalities, um, all upbringings can come out and play and be successful. It's up to the coach, it's up to the environment, it's up to the the people in charge to cultivate that environment, and make sure that all the guys are on the same page. I've been on a lot of teams, you know, and, I, and I'm reminded of that Kansas City Chiefs team. Keep in mind, Kansas City went, won two games. First pick of the draft. Jaguars had the second pick of the draft. That year that I went to the Chiefs, I was like, this team, there's no way they're going to be 2-14 and 14 again. There, there is no way. Because you could tell. You could tell that they had the leadership. They had the guys. And guess what? They had rougher on the edges, guys. They had some guys where it's like, I don't know about this dude over here. But you know what? They made it work together. Because Andy Reid cultivated that out of them. So this is why... It's so important to have a, a head coach with a vision and to purvey that vision. Now, if you're asking me what I like about the Jacksonville Jaguars right now being a young team, you know, going into this COVID-19 landscape, I do like the fact that they are young. I do like the fact that they, have, they haven't really been there before. They don't know what to expect, and all they know is football right now. I think sometimes when you get older in the league and you get uh, try to establish that veteran leadership a little bit, it can be like, well... This isn't football right here. Like, this feels different. And when it feels different, you start questioning things a little bit. Right now, this team, there's not a lot of room for questioning things because they're not accustomed to any of this. So I do like that. The big part comes from, this is what I've been kind of preaching the past couple weeks or so now with this young team, is when you do face that adversity, how are you going to respond to it? Because that's where having the, the veteran leadership comes in. That's where having those guys who have been there before comes in. When it starts going south, how do you turn the ship? How do you write the ship right? Because the Jaguars, I guarantee it, will face some adversity this year. They're going to lose some games. There's probably going to be some ugly games that they lose. How do they respond to that? Right now, that's the biggest question to me with such a young team. Yeah, and I guess that's when you know a little bit more of the makeup, right? I mean, now it's probably a little too early. You said that, and and I agree with you. I I get it. It's a different sense. When you're in the heat of the battle in the season, things aren't going well. How do you respond from it? And do keep in mind, if you take a look at some of the years the Jaguars have had, uh, let's just take the last seven or eight years. Well, they have not handled that very well. Mm -hmm. You know, in in 18, they go 3-1 and and then lost nine games in a row. With a team that had made it to the AFC Championship, and by the way, a team that had some veteran experience, but that team was not mature enough to handle a few losses in a row. Yeah. From the Ramseys to the Telvin Smiths to the whoever's, they weren't mature enough even with some veteran presence around. They could not handle it when things went bad. There's been some illustrations that teams have been able to bounce back. I thought last year's team battled, you know, to get to 6-10. and 10. It, it wasn't uh, what what they lose. They, they never really had like an eight nine game skid last year, right? I don't, Were they like four and four at one time? 
I'll have to go back and gosh, check it out. Question. Yeah. Did, they, did we play football last year? I know, right? Last been, year it seems like forever. It's been 100 years, Brent. Uh, let me check it out real quick. But I don't, but it's more 18, is it? And, you know, like Gus's first year, they went 0 and 8. They had just terrible roster for the most part. But then they won like four out of five games. So those guys kept it together a little bit. So, yeah, so the Jaguars were 2 and 2. Um, two and two. First four games. And then would they go like two and six? They lose four in a row or something? Didn't they have a miserable October? Uh, Pretty sure. They lost two, then they won at Cincinnati, then they lost, then they won against, no, they're, they're four and four. Oh, they were four and four. Four and four. So was it, no, when did they hit the slide? November. Okay. Oh, that's right. That was all against the AFC South. Yeah, that's right. That's that right. Was... They're four and four going to London. Thanks for the reminder. Yes. You're welcome. Yes. Lost four it. in a row. So. They yeah. didn't really snap out of it. Now they did in a way, I guess. They they won in Oakland and then mm-hmm. they won the last game of the year. But uh but that's what you're talking about. See, the the NFL is built to be like an eight and eight league. So that being said, it's not really built to lose four, five, six, eight weeks in a row. Yeah. You know? Well, no, I mean, you, you've got to have a team that can grind out of that. You've got to be able to figure yourself out of it. And I remember saying I want to say it was, I don't know if it's 15 or 16, and I want to say, man, if they had more veteran experience, they would, there's no way veterans would allow you to lose like eight, nine games in a row. Well, maybe I'm not right because the next year they had that team that went to the AFC Championship game and they still managed to lose nine games in a row, I think it was, after a three and one start. So that's got to do with more the guys in the locker room, not necessarily age, but yeah. the makeup of it to keep grinding, to not just get defeated week after week, day after day, even if you do go on a two or three game losing streak. So it's funny because we talk about responding to adversity, right? And this is the prime example that I want to revisit a little more because the, the parallels are there. So when I left Jacksonville, keep in mind we had, that was Mike Mal- the Mike Malarkey year. Yep, won two games. Okay, he got fired. They bring in Gus Bradley. I was around Gus Bradley a little bit and his staff, obviously. And you know, and I was a huge fan of Gus Bradley, and I was sad that I got cut because I wanted to I wanted to stay behind and see what was going to happen. You know, like I wanted to see it through, and I love Gus Bradley's energy and everything like that. But I'll be honest with you. It seemed like when I left, because I was there for some of those spring practices, they kept on dwelling on going, well, you know, two and two games, it's not going to happen again. Like, we're going to change this whole thing around. We're going to be good. So then I go to Kansas City. Once again, Kansas City wins two games. Andy Reid's first year yes. coming to replace Romeo Cornell. And it was funny, the attitude from when I left Jacksonville from when I got to Kansas City, because they didn't really dwell on the past. Like, that two-win season was never brought up. And I got the sense, and I'll be honest, the first couple of days of practice when Andy Reid was talking and the, the players were kind of doing their thing and everything, I kind of got the sense of the vibe. I don't want to call it arrogance, and I don't want to call it cockiness, but it was like, Oh yeah, we're all good, man. We're, we're, we're going to win a division this year. You know, like we're, we're fine. Like whatever happened last year happened last year. We're not going to dwell on it. We're all good. And guess what? They got second place in the AFC West. Won yeah. eleven games that year. No, yeah. So I mean, now, it, just to be fair, they were two and fourteen with six Pro Bowlers on sure, that team. They yeah. had much more talent. But I get your, your but, points. But are you, good. you get what I'm saying. I mean, obviously, talent <laughs> it does a lot as well. But with that being said, though, it's to me, it's what Andy Reid brought to that team that pushed him over, right? Because yeah. they, had, they had the talent there. Now, to say, does Jacksonville have the talent the Chiefs didn't? No, obviously not, okay? But that goes to show you just what a coaching change can do. Yeah. That, it goes to show you what a culture builder can do. And obviously, you've seen the benefits ever since. Well, it's a really interesting point and maybe even a bigger picture. And I love the topic. But I've had several people say uh, over the years, it's like, my gosh, everybody's so negative, so negative, so negative. And I'm like... We should go talk to the New York media up here, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, negative. What are you talking about? 
Well, what happens is, and, and this is even guys like Jalen Ramsey, guys like that team, they got they think this way because it's such a small town in essence, mm. the small town media field. Mm-hmm. I think it's like this in Buffalo. It's probably like it in Green Bay. And it's not that this is any ne- more negative than another market. Listen, it's a snowball effect. The Jaguars have stunk. And until you give us evidence that you're going to be different, the narrative is often bad, even with the owner of the Sunshine and Rainbows Club in town. Yeah, And that does pile on. And I do feel like towns like this and towns like Buffalo and maybe even a Green Bay. And I haven't been there. I'm just thinking because it's so big there. Oh, like this is all no, it is, right? Listen, it's so big in Green Bay. It's big yeah. in Buffalo. And it's big here. Yeah. Well, what happens is you've got how many new players here this year? To your I mean, point, yeah. they were talking about the year prior because it does carry over. Even new players feel it. Mm-hmm. New players hear the narrative. They're like, well, I wasn't even part of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I can only say I feel that and I think there is something that exists there mm-hmm. that you have to overcome. Uh, where I really feel like that 17 team was motivated to overcome it, mm-hmm. you know, really motivated to like, hey, we feel you. That 16 season, we thought we were going to be so much better. We stunk. We feel like we disappointed. We're mad at ourselves almost. Sure. And when, we're going to add some pieces, but then we're coming back and we're going to change the whole mentality. Coaching change did help that. Even Tom Coffey, got to give him credit, helped change that, too. But it's a lot like where I grew up. I mean, the Red Sox were king, man. Like the Patriots were not. The Red Sox were king. But the Red Sox always lost. Mm -hmm. So every team had to wear that. 86 years worth. Yeah. Guys, like their parents weren't born when the Red Sox last failed in like a a World Series in like 19. They wore that. Yeah. Well, Jacksonville is wearing that. Like, I think players wear that a little bit. Well, and to that end, I mean, even like, uh, and this makes it worse, the, the social media stuff, which yeah, we'll get into a does. little bit. But this kind of makes it worse because it's so right there. It's right in front of you. And it's like they're, it's like you know everybody and they well, know everybody. Listen, it's right in front of you, but you have to choose to look at it. Well, you know? and, 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 and you choose to spend your energy on that. That's your choice. So I don't feel bad for you. And, and listen, I, I agree with you where I think some of the players are wearing it, but this is where. You can't do that, Brent, okay? It's a fan's job to reoccur the history. It's a fan's job to dwell on the past. It's a fan's job to celebrate previous seasons, whether they're good or, you know, to hate on seasons that were bad. That's a fan's job. That's not the player's job. You can't do that. Let's go back to 2017 real quick, okay? Great year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. AFC Championship, they come just short. But you know what? Like, you left that season feeling like, man, this team is turning around now. We like where they're at. Okay. I'll never forget one of Gus Bradley's favorite quotes he used to always say. And, and say what you about Gus Bradley, but I think the guy is a great speaker. and He's a great motivator. I'm going to say this. One of the favorite quotes he ever said is, the three most dangerous words, the, the, the phrase in the English language. Do you know what it is? I got it. I got it. Okay. 2018. By the way, if you have kids and you're around ball, it's a yeah. great saying. It's fantastic. 2018, the Jaguars had it. They thought that they had it. And you know what? They didn't. They dwelled in the past. They dwelled in the past for the wrong reason. They thought, well, AFC Championship, we're all set now, man. We've been there. We know what to expect. What happened? 
they fell apart. It was over. So just like to me now, this past, so this last year, you go six and ten. I get it. You got to dwell a little bit, man. You can't have a repeat, but you can't dwell on it too much. And if you're a player, don't dwell on the past. I'm telling you, whether it's good or bad, just play next play. Play next play is one of the most cliche used terms in the world of coaching football. But you know what? It makes a lot of sense. Well, I do think there's an element. I'll just say this as we head to break, and we'll continue some of the conversation because so, this will feed right into the social media part I want to get into. But I do feel like, and, and again, I experienced, I thought I experienced this a bit in in with the Boston Red Sox growing up and watching them. And then I wasn't in Boston when they won in 04, but I was at the ALCS in 03 when they lost on a walk-off home run. And I felt like that team mostly had come back in 04 and they felt the pain of the fan, man. Yeah. It was so devastating because they lost on a walk-off home run in game seven to go to the World Series that they felt the pain of the fan. I will say in 16, 17, that time frame, I felt like that team connected with the pain of the fan sure. of the last however many years. But, so there is a connection that can take place. You yeah. can't dwell on it, but there is a connection and an acknowledgement. Even even Gardner Minshew, and not even year two, hasn't even played a second year, has already said, hey, we're trying to change the culture. Yeah. Which they're so aware of what they have in front of them. To If we can just win here, we can change it, man. We can be a part of the, the, the teams that cultivated change. Shoot, this is a big misconception, though, too. It's okay to feel the pain of the fan, and I get that. But at the same time, the players in that locker room, when they're not winning, when we won, when we won two games, Mike Markey's here, you better believe we're devastated. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you think we like going out there and getting our butts kicked every single week? I'll tell you what, we don't. And I think the misconception is, well, they're making thousands and millions of dollars. They don't care. Guess what? We care. We have egos. We want to win. That's why we're here. But keep in mind, in 16, it was Allen Robinson and others going back and forth with fans yeah. over anger yeah. instead of kind of joining in True. and fueling them and motivating them mm-hmm. in another way. I'm not saying that's the key to win the Super Bowl, but in towns like this, it's an important element of it, yep. and it bleeds right into the social media era. More on that coming up next on ESPN 690. I work with a martial arts specialist three or four times uh, a week, and also my my guy at Rise and Grind, Jason. I got a couple of other guys working with me too, so we've just been working hard this whole off season. Been doing whatever we can. Been working since like January until the season. Been working real hard, so I'm just can, trying to continue it and trying to take a new step up every single year. So that's my goal. That is Dewan Smoot. He's a fun guy to be around. Yeah, fun guy to be around, and. Uh, Man, I hope he has a heck of a year. Oh, I, 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 like what I've seen so far from listen, him, I'll say that much. I love... Yeah, I almost asked this story. Uh, it, it's too hard to kind of think of right off the top of our head. We'd have to um, do a little more research. But I thought of this with Josh Oliver, right? Okay. Guy who's going to be hurt for his first two years in the league. Yeah. How hard is that to come out of, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, do do guys... Can you name a guy... And I'm sure there are people out there. Oof. But can you remember a player that essentially lost the first two years of his career and bounced back? Now, listen, I'll give you a, a middle-of-the-road example on this. Yeah. And and the middle-of-the-road example is Marquise. Marquise missed a lot of his first two years, Marquise Lee. Yeah. And then he played three and four. In fact, he led the, the receivers, I think, in games, played and catches. And he actually signed a, a new contract. Sure. And again, then disappointed a lot of fans because of the injuries and production. So I'm not telling you he can't, became a Hall of Famer, but Marquise Lee bounced back from the the uh, 
uh, albino tiger days yeah. to get a new contract that was worth $40 million. So that's one example. But in terms of guys, it's so hard to bounce back well, after you miss that kind of time. Listen, point. We've, we've seen this story many times, and usually we all know how the story ends, right? And um, it doesn't end well, let's just say. I'm reminded of a guy by the name of Kevin White that the Chicago Bears drafted. Great example. First-round pick out of uh, West Virginia. A lot of hype around him, speedster, um, you know, your prototypical one receiver, let's just say. Guy got hurt his rookie year. Down, he even touched the field. Guy got hurt second year in training camp again. And I'll be honest with you, not sure where Kevin White is right now. I have no idea. I'm not sure. I think he just tried out with the Patriots or the Jets or something like that. I mean, I have no idea if he's even. He was like the seventh overall pick. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of hype around him. And he had those injuries, and it is what it is. Teams move on. So, yeah, I mean, listen, and I don't want to use the narrative. He's injury prone. He's so. I mean. I, I don't know, man. Listen, I, I've been around a lot of injuries in my life. I've had a couple injuries myself, and some things just go unexplained. Some things you just take one wrong step, and for whatever reason, your body gives out. Sometimes you have a guy roll into you um, by accident, and it is what it is. Like, there's so many just and, – and to be fair, like we, we always say in the game of football, like, luck is for losers. Luck – you have to be lucky to stay healthy in the game of football. I'm just telling you because there's so many factors that count against you. So with that being said, sometimes it's better to be lucky um, than to be, like, you know, non-injury prone, let's just say, or something like that. Yeah, I. Th- so my point of that, the flip side of that, and, and I still think that's worth some research. I, I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to find sh- some guys because it is hard. It's really devastating for guys to be hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's always a story I've wanted to tell in a more in-depth way. But being hurt is is in a – guys get in a bad place. And if you're hurt for two years – Especially as a guy just coming in the league, that's a big deal. Well, the opposite is a guy like DeJuan Smoot. And maybe we're talking about Taven Bryan. We're talking about half of this offensive, uh, defensive line that really could be late bloomers mm-hmm. in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went back and watched that 17 Pittsburgh game, and DeJuan Smoot was playing toward the end of that game. Fresh body, and he was making yeah. some a play here or a play there. So he's played. But last year, six sacks in a show-me year. It was his NFL future. And he had six sacks and played really well. And... This year, he's going to have to do it again. Yeah. Uh, but I like it. Like, I mean, I, I like those stories, too. We don't talk about those stories. And especially, oh, listen, DeJuan Smoot, I think, was a fourth-round pick. Taven Bryan's a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. So when you can come out of the depths of being labeled a bust and you're not delivering right away and the pressure of being a first-round pick and then grow in your career and turn it into something, a la, by the way, Tyson Alualu, who many would sign up for his career. Yeah. Overall, yeah. forget about where he was drafted. He's still playing, man. He's still what, playing. What do you want from him? Still yeah. playing. In fact, right now, how much? How many people raise your hand and wish he was on Jags defensive line? You'd take him Could all Could use day. him yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. So, and, I, and by the way, Smoot is a third-round pick. Oh, third round. I always yeah. call him fourth-round pick. Yeah. So third-round pick. Well, I mean, they, so thing. expectation I mean, was still there to some degree. Sure. Not not the, like a first-round pick is. Correct. But still, third-round pick, usually you gotta you got to hope delivers. Yeah. Some over-deliver like Yannick Ngakwe, mm-hmm. but... So my point is, I just like that story. We don't yeah. talk about. It's cool to see Brian and Smoot. Now we'll see where it goes. But they're trending like they're going to be late bloomers in the NFL. Yeah, and you know, and this is a listen. This is a testament to me to the Jaguars coaching staff for I don't want to say keeping these guys around because you don't really keep them around. They've earned their spots, yeah. right? So you're not just doing you got to coach favor. them up, right? You got to coach them. Here's my point, right? So many times in the NFL. You know, you you bring guys in, you you draft them in the third or fourth round, or you trade for somebody, and you envision them, and they get there, and it's like, oh, this isn't what really what we signed up for. 
And then instead of doing your job as a coach and getting the best, you just kind of say, well, ah, it's not what we wanted, and you let him go. And you let him go at a very young age. Now, it's one thing if you trade for a vet, doesn't give you what you want, and then he's gone. I get that point. But what I can't see is when you trade, you know, when you draft somebody or you trade for somebody who's, you know, 20, 21, 22 years old, they get to your team, it's not what you thought it was, and all of a sudden you just put them in the street and say, ah, we got to let you go, man, sorry. That's your job as a coach. All right, because everybody learns differently and everybody develops differently. I tell a story all the time. It wasn't until I got to Chicago where things started quick for me, pass rushing. I'm like, oh, okay, so this is what the hip flip's all about. So this is what having that quote-unquote bend is all about. I didn't get that until I was in Chicago. Wow. And by that time, guess what? Way, way, way too late. I was like 20. 627, way too late. So my point is, you got to give guys time to develop, all right? And obviously with Smoot, we're seeing it right now where it seems like he could be a little bit of a late bloomer. Taven Bryan will see maybe the same thing. But that's the but that's my point here. We're so quick to write guys off, and we're so quick to cast them aside for whatever reason, and we go in a more younger direction, and then sometimes it doesn't work out for you. Give guys a chance. Coach them up. It's your job to coach them up. You brought them in for a reason, so let's see what that reason is. Those can be two nice coach them up stories. So uh, we'll yeah. see uh, what happens with them. All right, I want to bring up social media real quick because it talks about what we did uh, in the last segment. I, I, yesterday I tweeted, Jaguars rookie C.J. Henderson back to practice, but a bit frustrated it appears. Henderson has missed several practices while sick. Keelan Cole beat him a couple times near the goal line. Well, Jimmy Smith bounced in. We, we talked about that a little bit yesterday, but he was on Keelan Cole. Sure. Most of the people... This has like 25,000 views now. This is not to compliment my Twitter. I am. This is more. You should see the responses on this. You talk about a cancel culture. These are two clips from practice. Yeah. And by the way, like I say this all the time, this is competition. If you and I go to the golf course, we take play a couple holes. You might beat me two times in a row. I'm going to look bad. Well, I'm not going to. Okay, okay, go ahead. But yeah. then I come back and I beat you the next three. Sure, if sure. we're playing hoops one-on-one, wait, I might beat you a couple times. Yeah. You come back and that's what this is. But the responses on here, I'm telling you, they're so bad, the responses on here, that I almost took the tweet down. No. Like, I almost want to take it down. Don't do that, man. But, because then those people win. But my point is that, let's talk a little bit more about it. We need to. On the other side. Yeah. But in this town, and probably in every town now, players see that stuff. Sure. And I think it bothers them. Sure. Should it? Should they see it? I mean, you know what's happening with C.J. Henderson? This become a big Florida, Florida State thing. Yeah. So anybody, like a lot of Miami, Florida States, and killing on the Gator guy, you know, all yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. So that's what's happening here. But, and some of the responses are just like, I mean, like if I was C.J. Henderson, I'd be laughing at some of the responses. As you should. Because you can tell that this guy never played a, a, a sport in his life. Yep. But how careful do especially young players have to be? Because keep in mind. People don't do this in college. You're not allowed to. Yeah. You can't. We don't even know the depth chart of the Florida Gators right now. Yeah. We're not, nobody sees anything. Yep. So we'll talk about it. Social media 101 for NFL rookies out there. A TED Talk by Brent Martin on Austin Lane coming after this segment. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. 